Good evening, everybody, and welcome to this week's edition of the Jersey Weekly Podcast. It is episode 36 of the podcast, and it is the fifth live edition. We are live on the YouTube, so tell all your friends about it. Put it out there on, you, uh, on Facebook and Twitter, all that stuff. Uh, get as many people listening as possible. You can interact with us tonight via the comment section on YouTube, so if you want to make any comments to what we're saying, if you want to join in, please, by all means, do so. Uh, if you've not yet subscribed to the pod, please do that if you want to leave comments in terms of how we're performing, as long as they're constructive. Uh, we're always glad to hear what you're thinking. And even although the podcast is uh, live this evening, it will be available to download and stream in all the usual uh, forums, your Acast, iTunes, YouTube, CastBox, and Stitcher. So it's been a bit of a shutter of a week, to be fair, when on the football front. Uh, a bad result at Ibrox on Tuesday night. Uh, we're out the Scottish Cup season effectively over, and then yesterday it wasn't really much better to be fair against Kilmarnock. Although I didn't make the game yesterday, uh, but my two guests they 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 certainly did. So we'll, we'll we'll cover the Aberdeen game, we'll cover cover the Kelly game, and then we'll have a wee wider discussion about where we are in terms of the season overall and where we go from here. Because uh, let's be honest, folks, it's not quite turned out as. We'd all hoped. So joining me tonight on tonight's show, it's uh, it's one of the Jersnet stalwarts. It's Pete. How are you, Pete? Yeah, well, trying to recover from from all this gloom and doom. <laughs> so uh, try and try, try uh, put on a happy face. <laughs> a doom and gloom situation. To be fair, Pete, it's been a it's been a uh, it's not been a good week, has it? All round. No, it's uh. Well, on Tuesday was was really killer, wasn't it? The, that was uh, that was a shocker. That was, uh, but we'll no, we'll come to that when we're when we get further. Get further, aren't you? And also joining us this week is uh, Stephen Clifford from Four Lads Had a Dream. How are you, Stephen? Are you feeling as uh, shy as the rest of us? <laughs> well, it's difficult. We've had a tough week, haven't we? So it's uh, uh, it's difficult to be really optimistic, but you know we can't always see. Or try and see the positives and things, and I don't think it's. Um, oh, you'll do well tonight, to be fair, Stephen. <laughs> I'm, I'm going to be positive tonight, guys. I'm going to, yeah, I'm right, going to that's try an my interesting strategy. Today. Let's see how it works out for you. <laughs> <laughs> let's see how it goes. Yeah, let's see how it goes. Uh, right, we'll start on yesterday's game now. I, I didn't make the game yesterday, so I, in terms of what I can offer, it's very little, uh, fairly limited other than what I've read in the papers and stuff. Uh, but one thing it did get me, you know, obviously one each against Kilmarnock. We've dropped another two points behind Celtic. they got yet another last-minute winner today. That's a third last-minute winner uh, since the the Christmas break, the winter break. Mind you, if the referees keep on adding seven and eight minutes, what else is going to happen, I suppose? But, you know, more more sort of leeway lost in the, the, the title race. Stephen, I'll come to you first. As I said, I kind of followed the game on Twitter yesterday. The, the first thing that gave me a wee bit of the alarm bells ringing was when I saw the lineup. I thought there was a couple of strange selections in there, especially in the midfield with, with Davis and Koulibaly coming in. What did, what did you make of Gerard's selection? Well, first of all, I thought you had to make changes um, from obviously Friday night and then Tuesday. Um, it's pretty obvious to me that um, we are running on empty as a squad and um, there's a few players out there that um, are just 
Um, they're just they look knackered, to be quite honest. Um, Candace is is the one that immediately springs to mind, and something I said to you earlier in uh, one of our first pods in, in the start of the year was that um, we are a good side when everyone plays well and we don't have enough good players to be able to have um, some of the squad having games where they're, they're five, six out of ten. We, we're a good squad of squad players and then you've got Alfredo who kind of, you know, he, he obviously is, is our star man. The problem with that then when it comes to, to things like yesterday is that Arfield and Jack have been injured and have been injured now basically since since January. So they are they are the, the ones that are capable from the from the players of being able to produce your eights and nines out of tens. So when he has to change it, Koulibaly and Davis coming in, I mean I wasn't as, as kind of down on the, the team selection as others seem to be. A lot of people shouting for Ross McCrory, but Ross McCrory, Rangers don't need Ross McCrory in a game like yesterday. The, the problem that we're having at the moment doesn't require Ross, McC- Ross McCrory and Glenn Camara in the same team. It, the problem isn't stopping the other teams as such. The, the problem is is breaking teams down and, and trying to um, trying to to do something in the final third. The amount of possession we had yesterday, it was tippy-tappy sideways passes. And, and what's really, what really kind of struggles in, in, is we don't have a midfielder capable of, of taking a shot, taking a touch and playing a through pass and stuff like that. So um, the selection selection didn't bother me. The, the one thing I would, I suppose the major surprise for me was that Katic came in for centre-back for Worrell because, in my opinion, Worrell, since his mistake in Rugby Park, has been our best player. Um, if Katic had come in for Goldson, I could have understood that because he, in my opinion, is another that looks pretty fatigued uh, mentally and physically. So selection side of the the Warhol thing didn't it didn't really surprise me uh, too much. Stevie G's got to, he's got to try and do something. He's got to try and sort the, the final third, and he obviously thought that, that Davis bombing forward and even Koulibaly to an extent um, would would bring us more. So I wasn't. I, I mean, I, I get some of what you're saying there. I mean, and the final third thing. I know there's a couple in here. I know I know Ross is a big fan of them, but. There's one player I'm now really starting to doubt in terms of what he brings to Rangers, and that is Candias. Uh, I think he's fairly one-dimensional. I think he's, I think the, the quality of his, his balls into the box recently have been poor. On Tuesday night there against Aberdeen, I counted five times. He had really, really good opportunities and good, and good positions, plenty of space to pick out a pass to put, you know, a dangerous ball into the box. Four of them hit the first man, and the, the other one. I don't know if you remember, it was in the first half and it, it went past everybody, you know, and it was a really good break. And I just feel, you know, I agree with you, our main problems are in that final third. And I, I, I just look at Candice at the moment as probably being the weakest link. Kent is probably guilty as well sometimes, I think, but he probably less so, you know. I think you get a good game out of him, one and three. I think Candace is down to one and five, six now when he when he when he really turns up. And I only found out recently that Candace is he's like 30, 31. And I think a player at that stage of his career should be offering more than than, than what 
Candias is, but uh, I, I kind of, when I saw Kula Bali in the team yesterday, I was one of them that kind of thought, you know, if you were going to make a change there, then maybe Ross McCrory would have been the, the one to bring in. Pete, uh, did, did you see the game over in Germany? Yeah, I've seen it. I was watching what, it, yeah. What did you make of the general performance overall then? Uh, we're talking about the Aberdeen game, huh? No, the Kilmarnock oh, game, sorry. No, yesterday's game. Um, yeah, Jimmy, losing a goal after, sorry, I, I, I've lost it here. The Kilmarnock game or the Aberdeen game we're on? Kilmarnock. Kilmarnock game, sorry, okay. Um, what did I make of it? It was just like hitting your head against a brick wall, what we've been doing for many a game, many, many games now. The sort of a St. Johnson game comes to mind. You, you sort of know right away. This is, there's nothing happening. And if you look at the way Kilmarnock set up, it was just totally defensive. One guy up front and the rest all on defence. And it was just if, if Rangers get the ball, get into an attacking position, then scythe them. That's, that seems to be the way they play. And I was actually glad that guy Power went off because I, I don't see any football in that guy. He just runs about kicking everybody. And uh, that, that's that's the way it, it went. Surely we need to be able to match that, surely, Pete. You know, if teams have been physical, oh, you know, this, this is Rangers Football Club you're talking about here. Domestically, you know, I mean, you come up against teams like Kilmarnock and stuff like that, no matter what they throw at us, we should be able to deal with that. I, did, I don't know. Did you watch what Wolverhampton against uh, Man United last night? At, at least no. it was a lower league team. I don't, lower, lower, don't mean lower league team, but lower in the league. And they, they actually came out and attacked uh, Manchester United. But you just don't see that in Scottish football, do you? They, they just, I mean, it was the same with Dundee and Celtic, as far as I know. It was just Dundee playing with, with actually 11 men. Behind the ball, all in the, the just about the sixteen yard line, and yeah, it's, that's just the way Scottish football is going to be. But you've you've got to try and get players that can break and play a killing pass. And yeah, we've we've uh, all our midfield players are virtually sitting midfield players. Yeah, I, th- I think I think that's an issue. I really do. I think there's too many players in that 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 sort of middle three that. Do a similar job. We don't have anyone that can, as Stephen said earlier on, a, a lot of the passes are sideways. You know, there's nothing that splits a defence in two, gets defenders turning and facing their own goal. There's nothing like that coming through midfield. It's all very easy. You know, I mean, I'm sure the the stats in terms of completed passes are through the roof, but it's all four or five yards sideways stuff. You know, there's nothing going forward that that, that you know, as I said, makes a defence turn and and makes them sort of face their own goal and put them in a position of over-panicking here. The minute you make a defence turn, this is our view anyway, you know, you've got them in trouble. You know, they're facing their own goal, so if you whiz a ball across the face of the goal, they've got to deal with that. And I don't think there's enough players in that, that midfield to to do that, to sort of split a defence into and get them facing their own goal and getting our, our forwards running at them, you know what I mean, and creating that wee bit of chaos. It's all very... Uh, slow, uh, you know, but but what side to side stuff and predictable and you know what kind always, of play- it's always in front of the defense. It's always in front of the team we're playing. We never get in behind them. 
you know what kind of player we actually needed? I don't know whether he was good enough, but that type of player is Windass. Josh Windass. You're going to say that. You're going to say that. Uh, I, I don't think I don't think Windass was, would have been the answer. But one thing he did give us is, is goals. I, I, I don't rate Windass as a player. But, you know, 19, 20 goals he got last season. I'm not convinced we've, we've replaced that in, in the side. We're, we're missing that contribution from him. But overall, he still had an, a, a huge ability to disappear in sort of bigger games and stuff like that, you know? I certainly don't think Davis in the midfield. I mean, he played better than he has been playing. And he he's certainly trying his heart out. You, you, you've got to give him that. But he's, he's, not the, he's not the player to break down defences. No. I mean, he, he did have one great good shot that the keeper tipped over the bar, but and that just that was it really. I, I agree. I, I don't. I, we are lacking that sort of creativity. There's no doubt about it. Uh, Stephen, coming back to yourself now, after we beat Celtic, uh, you know, in the last game of 2018, you know, we sort of saw that as a, an opportunity. That's us. We were leveling points, albeit they had a game in hand. But we were levelling points, got into the, the, the winter break. It seemed like we'd done some good business uh, in January. We've came back and we've dropped points now against Kelly twice, against Hibbs, St. Johnson. And actually, that, that game seems to have given Celtic the kick up the arse that they needed rather than giving us the belief to go on and, and challenge for, for, for the title. So what's happened? Why why has it all went wrong? Interesting um, question, really. Let's go journey back to our form before we played Celtic, and it wasn't it wasn't too dissimilar to what we're getting now. If you remember, we had um, we had draws with Hibs, um, home and away. Memory serves me correctly. We had a, a kind of close victory at St Johnston. Um, I can't remember. If, what else we had in, in December, to be honest, but I, I remember it being patchy. It's, it's Dundee as well. We drew against Dundee. Well, yeah. December. So yeah. this season's it's always been one or two good games, draw, one or two good games, defeat, draw, one or two good games. That what's happening now isn't a surprise in in terms of how the season's gone, and it reflects on what. In, this is this is a point I've tried to make to people. There's been a lot of reaction saying that Gerard's time's up and, and things like that. Not not from a huge, huge kind of um, following or whatever on Twitter, but there is there is that, that there is an underlying people that that have, have kind of lost their patience with him. Stephen Gerrard, he wasn't employed to fix the club in six months. And let's be brutally honest here, we needed fixed because anyone who watched us last season, we were absolutely horrendous. From the point of view that we were losing five at Easter Road, five against that lot, four against that lot, we we were brutal. Now, what, what's happened this year is that phase one is done, it's complete. <clears throat> the squad has been revamped in that we now have a solid base. Now, people are, are maybe kind of down on players and things at the moment, and I understand that, I get that. And I go back to a point you were making about Candace and you're, you're kind of, you got a wee bit of a paste in there. Candace, Candace is a squad player, and he should only really be playing 20 games for Rangers in a year, not 53 the way he has this year. Meaning that on that 20, 25 performances when he should be playing, we're going to see the better side of him. 
because he's going to have to perform to keep his place and he's going to have to take his opportunities and we can use him sparingly where he's going to be more influential. He is, he's completely ran out of steam, much the same way as our team has. And that's that's the kind of the problem of, of Europe as well is that it's, it's taken a lot out of us, although it's, it's been an absolute godsend and necessity for what's going to happen this summer. What Rangers will do now in the summer and something that we can kind of promise you will happen is that the, the turnover that we seen last year, of, I think that was in the, the region of 35 players in and out, won't, won't be the case this year. Now, there, there will still be maybe, you know, a dozen, 15 players or whatever in and out. But what Rangers will do now is they'll pick up the squad players as they've already done. They kind of fillers for the guys that will leave, but they've, they've, they can identify, you know, the positions that we really need. And with that base of, of the squad players that we have, we, we can go and get a proper number 10, a proper couple of wingers, a centre-half and, and a striker and kind of go from there, properly pick them out, quality over quantity. So I think that goes back to where we are at this minute in that you're asking what's went wrong. Well, what's went wrong is teams have kind of found us out. If you come and play against us and come up and have a go, your likes of hearts and, and people like that. That's why we can pick you off. And even that Celtic game at Christmas, they don't defend. Anybody that watched that game yesterday, Kilmarnock were sitting with only um, Brophy for the first couple of minutes and then the boy who plays the McElnany, I think his name is. They were the only ones pressing. The rest of them were in two banks two banks of, of defensive units. Five at the back, um, four in front, one boy chasing. And we struggle because we don't have... Kent doesn't have the space. Um, we don't have... We've, we've not had an, a fit and on-form field who can get beyond Morelos because there's no space. And teams now just suffocate us. And like Pete was saying, any time that we got away from Kilmarnock yesterday, they just ripped us down. There was one on the wing against Gresda. There was one in the middle. Um, same player. And, and we just don't... We don't have it's kind of more like a huff and puff attempt to break teams down. The only time we got a proper ball into Morelos was, I think, Davis was the assist yesterday, back to goal, tight on the marker so that he can spin him. And we didn't do that enough. We didn't do it once or give Defoe that ball once, and that's what he's good at as well. We need to address that. Gerard knows that. Gerard's not silly. But people at the moment are down and, and understand that. But if you take a step back and look at it, the groundwork's done. It's now on to phase two. We can add quality. And we aren't that far away. People are saying that we're, we're miles away and we're, we're this. We're, believe me, we're not. A couple of draws this year turning in with wins and things like that. And that's what we'll address in the summer. We have to be patient. We have to remember how bad we have been. Kaishinya set us back years. And we have to accept that that was a mistake and allow Gerard the time to turn it round. That doesn't mean that He's beyond criticism. It just means that we have to just take a breath, look at where we were, look at where we are, hope that we can finish strong and then regroup and let's get ready to go again. This summer is probably as vital as as any transfer windows have been in recent history of the club. Pete, uh, there, there was an incident yesterday again with uh, Alfredo Morelos now I don't, I don't know about you guys, but I'm becoming quite 
tired of the whole thing. I, don't get me wrong, he doesn't help himself at times, but I think it's I think it's exaggerated. I think everything round about him is exaggerated by the media. I think referees are now going into the into games looking to book him. I think Tuesday night was an example of that in the Aberdeen game. And there was another incident with him and uh, Kirk Broadfoot yesterday. Now, I haven't seen it, but I've seen a lot of comment on social media. And given the way things have went with the compliance officer, you know, and the, the stats that exist, you know, when it comes to players getting retrospectively cited, are we now looking at Morelos possibly missing that old firm game? Well, the incident was, from from what i seen of it, it was... Uh... Broadfoot must have shouted something at him on the park because uh, Morelos turned round all of a sudden and then Morelos walked away again and Broadfoot went up to him, caught up with him and stood in his heel and that brought a reaction of Morelos that he pushed Broadfoot away and then just walked on. So for that incident, uh, uh, you're really clutching at straws if you're going to uh, take him retrospectively for that. But, but have, we, have we not seen for the compliance officer this year that when it when it comes to the Angels, you know, she's perfectly prepared to clutch at straws? Yeah, well, you would need to, I mean, for for me, what Kent done pushing away the, the Kilmarnock player, that was that was actually worse than, than what Morellas did. I mean, the guy didn't even fall. It was just a, a, a slight push, really. And uh, yeah, I don't. I, I can't see it, but I don't know. You, you had said before the pod that something might have happened in the tunnel. I don't know about that. I haven't heard anything about yeah, that. Yeah, well, there was there, there was uh, comments in the media today, and I think both Gerard and uh, Stevie Clark commented on it. Stevie Clark seemed quite keen to dob Morelos in, saying there was definitely an incident, uh, and I'm sure it's captured on camera and all that kind of thing. And it just seems to me that. When it, when it comes to Morelos, it, it's it's so out of control in terms of the, you know, the sort of pressure that he's now under. You know, and and Gerard commented on that yesterday, saying, you know, he wants he wants him to to be on the park more. He wants him to be available for selection more in terms of not getting stupid bans. But what can he do as a manager if players are going out there and kicking, you know, seven shades out him? You know, and when he reacts, he's the one that gets sent off. He's the one that, that, that gets the bad reputation. And it, it's just, it's becoming, I think it's becoming quite farcical when it, when it comes to Morelos, if I'm being honest. Colin, there's a reason why this is happening. And the reason why it's happening is Rangers have a potential gold mine in, in Alfredo Morelos. He is the star man. He's the best player in the country. We know that. And, and people are targeting them and instead of talking up the fact that we have a young Colombian international and and talking about what he does good, they don't want Rangers to have what we have. They don't want Rangers to possibly get twenty million. So they will get any idiot in the media to come out and say he's worth five or ten million. They'll do anything they can not to bring themselves to admit that Rangers have, have got a star man, a potentially world-class player, and that's how good they rate Alfredo Morelos, because he is. He'll go to a massive team and we'll get big money, and they don't want that. So any opportunity they will take to drive down his value, to, to badmouth him, to have him banned. And as Pete said, yesterday was an absolute nothing incident. When you think about the, 
the the elbows and the tackles and everything else that Morelos gets during the game. I'll hark back to something I've said. For all Morelos' red cards, for all his apparent yellows and how much of an animal and a dirty player and they've, they've said he's a psycho and everything else, he's never once injured anybody. He's never once went in with a bad tackle. He's never once done anything like that. And we have a country now that are hell-bent on a witch, a witch hunt against them. And that, nobody will tell me otherwise. Rangers have got a fantastic player, a big money player, and we're going to sell them on and we're going to benefit from that. And they, they don't like it. And that is a simple fact of why this keeps happening. Can I just say about the the video camera in the tunnel? Uh, the, the big thing these days is losing evidence. So probably Rangers can lose the evidence in that one. Well, yeah, well, the, the, the people that were hanging dolls for stadiums recently, you know, with uh, sectarian messages, that, that that evidence seemed to get misplaced. So you never know. But the, the whole thing with Morelos just frustrates me. Don't get me wrong, he's not perfect. I think we all know that. You know, he's petulant at times. But I think that's all it is. I don't think he's dirty. I don't think he's a dirty player. I think he's petulant. I think he reacts to, you know, people giving him a rough time. And... I think managers now use that. They say to their centre-halves, first chance you get, dig him as hard as you can, he's going to react. It was quite interesting to see that Darren O'Dea, uh, you know, who's not noted for being sort of friendly towards Rangers, he came out recently in the, in the press and sort of said that he didn't mind Morelos. You know, if you give him it, he gives you it back. And that, that that's, that's how the game should be. So I find it odd that, you know, You've got a player like that saying that that's how it is. You know, he is what he is. If you dig him, he's going to dig you back. Whereas with other players, it's and, and with, with certain media commentators, it's this unhinged individual from this drug dealing country. You know, it's, it's just absolute nonsense. Yeah, but Colin, it's not the, the, the players giving him a hard time that, that's really the big problem. The, the, the big problem for me is that referees are just jumping on him. I mean, he can hardly breathe. I mean, look at uh, the Aberdeen game. Uh, getting when when he, he get he get held back and he goes down, and that was it was a penalty. It was never a, a, a yellow card for him. And then I, I, I would say I, I didn't think it was a penalty, but I didn't think it was a yellow card. When somebody's hanging over you, it's a penalty. Surely, I mean that's that's one thing that really that, that, I might have even said it last week. That's one thing that really gets to me is that they say, well, he didn't hit him hard enough to go down. Players don't need to go down. If you're holding somebody's jersey, it's a foul, it's a penalty. The players shouldn't... And then once you do go down, you say, oh, but he died. Yeah, there was there was one like that at Pataudry as well. The the, the game up at Pataudry, uh, who was it that clattered Candias? But Candias stayed in his feet. And because of that, I can't mind the boy's name who done it, but he clattered Candias when Rangers were breaking up the park. And he'd already been booked. Now, if Candias had went down, the boy was off the park, and Rangers might still be in the Scottish Cup. But Candias yeah. stayed, stayed in his feet because he thought, there's a break on here. If I get a good ball in, we're, we're, we're through. And I think Morelos was offside or something like that. But the referee still has to pull that back. He still has to say, that was a foul. We've played the advantage. It never came to anything. So it's a foul, and you're getting booked. And it was the same with, uh, there was an incident at Hibs as well with, with Gray. He absolutely clattered Morelos. Now it was worthy. It was worthy of a, a, a straight red in its own right. I thought, 
but again, he, he was he'd already he should have been booked earlier in the game. Wasn't got a yellow card for that. If he'd got received his his, his booking earlier on in the game, it would have been off. And again, that could have changed the game. And and, and that's what frustrates me. It's when players when they try and stay in their feet, nothing happens. You know what I mean? When they try and stay in their feet, they don't get the foul, don't get a booking, and then when they go down, they get told they're diving, they're going down too easy, and people say, oh, they're entitled to go down, that's a, that's a disgrace, a comment. You should only go down if you need to go down. Well, sometimes a player tries to stay in their feet, and if they do that, that doesn't mean it's not a foul. You know what I mean? But the, the one on Tuesday night, I didn't think it was a penalty, but no way in my book was it, was it a booking. And the fact that that went to, you know, Rangers have appealed that and it's went to the compliance officer and they've upheld that decision. I think that tells you everything you need to know as well. Yeah, anyway, that, that was a joke. That was a joke. Well, it is what it is. Right, we'll move on from, from the Kelly game. A wee, a wee quick squint at the Aberdeen game. I was at the Aberdeen game on Tuesday and I have to say, uh, it's probably the worst I felt coming out of Ibrox at the end of it. In a, in a while, and there's been a few kicks in the teeth <laughs> over the last couple of seasons, but you know, just that feeling of sort of realization that it was going to be an, an, another season without a trophy. Again, I'm imagining it was kind of summer yesterday. You know, really, really struggled to break Aberdeen down. They just came well organized, got the, the sort of the break with the, the, the mistake that gave them the goal. <sighs> we've, we've spoke about the sort of lack of creativity, but. Stephen, you know, the, the real despondency coming out of Ibrox on Tuesday night, you know, a real feeling of when is this going to end? You know, and my, my biggest fear is, you know, we're in danger of losing second place again. You know, I, I know Aberdeen drew yesterday, so we've maintained our points, sort of lead over them, but I genuinely fear we're in real danger of the whole season just collapsing. No, I don't, I don't share that um, feeling to be honest um, I, t- I genuinely just think we're, we're dead on our feet the players have now got I think I think got four or five days off everybody just needs to regroup and, and we need to to forget about of, of what's how we, can, we can't change what happened on, on Tuesday night there's nothing we can do about that and we have listen we've underperformed domestically we know that Um but I'm going to say something here that's hopefully it's getting taken the right way. I would rather we underperformed now when it's, it's maybe away from us already so that Gerard can see it. I want him to see what we are seeing in, in terms of knowing that certain players aren't good enough, certain players that he's brought in need to be automatically moved on, and that that we have a base for a squad and it lacks that kind of star quality aside of Alfredo, which I mentioned before. So where we are at the moment in these last three games, Gerard is, is seeing and feeling the same frustrations that we are. And that means that he'll need to go and fix it. So in terms of... And what I'm trying to get by that is by saying that the Hibs game and the Kilmarnock game yesterday and things like that. When we drew with St. Johnson at home, nil nil, that was it for me. It was done. So him seeing that now, we aren't able to to kind of polish over or, or gloss over the the, the, efficient, the deficiencies of the team. He needs to sort it, and that's where it goes back to the summer. 
to be ready for next year. So if that happening now ensures that we get the answers and we're ready for next year, then I'm not willing to accept it because, it, it, you know, I want us to win every single game, obviously. But if it means that we're going to fix it in the summer and be ready properly next year, then it's a good thing for me because we're going to be ready then. As I'll, I'll say it again. I think we've drawn nine games this year. Nine games of all being the same as yesterday. It's like a recurrent theme. If he can fix that, then we will not be far away. And remember, our, our opposition who are currently kind of dominating, they'll not be strong next year either. And if they appoint the man that's caretaker, that'll be a godsend for us as well because he he, he is what he is. There's a real opportunity for us. It's about taking it and seizing it. So let's regroup and get and get ready to go again. I, I I think that's also what makes you know what's happened all the more frustrating because Celtic are kind of in a in a mini crisis here. You know when when Brendan Rodgers left, the sort of implosion over there was was horrific. And you know one thing Gerard keeps on saying every time we get a bad result. You know, he keeps on saying, I'm expecting a reaction come the next game. And it's happening too often that it, it, it doesn't really get that. And I don't know, I find that quite concerning. I'm going to go into some of the comments here. We're getting some comments in on YouTube uh, talking about, you know, second place. Uh, Joe McKenzie, he's convinced that we'll finish second. Uh, Scott McCausland thinks if we don't kick on soon, we'll be overtaken in 10 games. And David Doricott says hello, hello from Canada. So if you're listening, please get involved in the the, the comment section of YouTube. Uh, let us know what you're thinking. We'll give you a wee shout out. Uh, moving on, guys. You know, moving on from the two sort of disastrous games, and maybe just have a wee look at again where we are now. And you know, again looking at some of the comments on Twitter yesterday, and gradually over the season, and certainly since. You know the winter break. You know Stevie G is is gradually came in for for, for more criticism, and I I genuinely think I've got one sort of fear about him, and that's his ability to change a game. You know when when a game's gone away from us, I don't see much in terms of you know tactical knowledge to sort of change a game. He just seems to to stand there and sort of look and think. Oh, I just hopes it it, it it works out and. I know he's a young manager, and I, and I don't think getting rid of him is the answer. I'm absolutely not advocating that. No way. I think we need to give him at least two, three years to try and, you know, sort it out. But I think he needs to improve in these kind of things. Pete, would, in, in terms of Stevie G, what do you think he's got right? What's he got wrong? You know, what can he improve on? Well, for one, I, I want to say he should definitely get another season. To even think about sacking him now would be would be just stupid for me. Um, the funnily enough, the I read during the week one one of the players that is doesn't seem to like is McCrory, but McCrory hasn't played in any of the defeats we've had this year. So that sort of a puts not not that we might not have get beat of McCrory because that's always obviously possible, but as I think McCrory he defends the defense better. And he also passes a ball forward more than Jack. That's my one big thing with Jack is that he just passes backwards, sideways, backwards, sideways. And 
I don't think McCrory does that. McCrory tries to get it forward, and plus he, he uh, protects the defence better. So that's, for me, a big mistake that he makes. Um, why Cattage was dumped at the beginning after having a great start to the season, I don't really understand that one either. And for me, uh, I would have wouldn't have dropped. Uh, I, I would have went for gold. Dropped Golson yesterday, because for me, Golson just doesn't doesn't do it. And it, it's not the first time that you've seen him getting outpaced and then lying down. He just seems seems to go and lie down. He's done that in three or four games this season. So that's I'm not happy with Golson. Must admit. Um, Tavernier, I wish he would stay away from free kicks because it's either hitting the wall or it's a pass back to the keeper. Uh, so that's that's things that I don't know whether Tavernier should be should be his captain. I sort of have problems with that. And yeah, but as I say, he should definitely get another season. I, I mean, as I said, I I still have serious man love for Stevie G. I'm under no way. You know, as I said, advocating that we need to get rid of him, no danger. But I, I do think there are just wee signs that he's not learning the job as quickly as I think he needs to learn the job. And every now and again, I, I, I think he brings that winning mentality. I don't think there's any doubt about that. And that's something that Rangers lacked for a long, long time. I think he just needs to, to you know, couple it with a bit more... Uh, tactical knowledge and you know an ability to change the game when it's gone against them. I agree with you in Tavernier. I, I, I'm not convinced he picked wisely in terms of his captain there. Uh, but but Stephen is you know obviously Gerard's at the forefront because he's the boss. He's he's the man in charge. But you know there's other people involved in this. You know you, you've got Gary McAllister. He's number two there. Uh, you've got Mark Allen. You know if, if Mark Allen especially. You know in terms of the recruitment. It's, he surely has some responsibility in, in where we are at the moment. See, before we get to, to Gary McAllister and Mark Allen, I'm going to, going to go back and you ask Pete of what Stephen Gerrard's brought and what he's done well. Let's let's look at it broader from, from where we are. We're, we're definitely a better team than last year. Um, we went on one of the most exciting and unbeaten runs in Europe since the days of Walter Smith back in 92-93 so he's brought in £10 million from that which is, is massive for us he has beaten them which again is a huge statement for, for us of, of where we needed to go and where we needed to be He's failed in the cups at home, and he, and and we're not as consistent as we should be in the in the in the league. It goes back to stripping back of 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 what at the moment things are kind of negative and people aren't positive. It's what you want to see. So it's either all doom, or it's 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 all positive. Was there's there's never a, a kind of middle ground for for Rangers fans, especially on social media. All I'm asking is that people kind of look at it without being too judgmental. He's not Stevie G isn't infallible, which brings brings us, you know, to to your question of, of Gary McAllister and even and Michael Beale. He said that he, he wasn't changing things. Yesterday with half an hour to go, he brought on Defoe and he went two up top. Now, 
Rangers had chances to win that game yesterday. Stevie G cannot go on the pitch and make us take the chances. On 88 minutes, we were three on two, and Gresda made an absolute arse of it, and Defoe missed the chance. He cannot, he cannot make us score the goals. He made the changes. He he, he changed the 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 whole left side at half time, um, and 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 we went for it with with Defoe coming on and stuff like that, but. He's, you're saying that he, he's not making the changes. I don't think that he's not making the changes. The changes just aren't working. But yeah, in terms that's of, a good point. In terms but, the, of, but does that not define what makes a good manager and a bad manager? No, no, because if, if you're putting Defoe on up front to go two up front with Morelos, we're going to expect to get the ball into him and, and create chances and things. He, he cannot physically go on the pitch and tell them, how to pass a ball and stuff like that. The only time we'd done that one forward pass, Morelos made the goal from it. We didn't do that at any other time. We were switching it sideways and stuff like that. And there's no way that you're telling me that, that he's happy with, with that. It's, it's just, it's not it's not how he sets up. He sets them to come in off the wings and plays tight and things like that. And it's just not happening. If he had done that yesterday and, and we'd managed to score in the eighth minute, from breaking away from the two subs that he brought on, we should have scored at that point, Colin. It was a, it was a three on two, and we were in. If we score, then we're saying, oh, you know, that's brilliant. He's made the changes that won the game, and that's the fine margins where he is. He's brought on Lafferty before. Um, he's brought on Defoe to try and change things, and it and it hasn't worked. But it doesn't mean that he's not doing it. And it's a fine line. How many times the substitutions actually work? We've said it. We used to say it, um, about Walter Smith making subs too late and things like that. It's when it works, it's great and everyone's a hero. When it doesn't, we're the worst of the worst, etc. And we, we need to just kind of find a middle ground with that. He's not been lucky in that his changes haven't worked, and it is frustrating for me that, that certain times he stayed with four three three and things from starts of games. I would like to have seen us, you know, maybe maybe expand and and try diamond and things like that more often because there's games where it suited us but I think he, he was a wee bit spooked by the Kilmarnock game the, the, the first game at the end of January where we lost because he changed and he came in for almighty criticism and we've not changed it since then we've stayed predominantly 4-3-3 and 4-1-4-1 and, and it's not it's not kind of yielded dividends for him but I also again go back to thinking that, that we are knackered but to get to your point, sorry, on Gary McAllister, Michael Beale, etc. It it's the same as Stephen Gerrard. What are they supposed to do in terms of finishing chances? I mean, at Hibs, we missed how many? Six, seven clear opportunities again. And it comes back and bites us. That's not the guy on the bench's fault. We, we need to be realistic. and There's only so much information they can give them. There's only so much tactical stuff we can do. If you're missing setters, then it's going to bite us, it's football, it happens. With regards to Mark Allen... Yeah, but but if it happens so often, Stephen, then surely that comes down to the recruitment. You're not recruiting players who are of the required standard. Well, it goes. It comes on to Mark Allen and, and it goes back to the summer. Now, I don't think there was too many players last year that we, we brought in that we were, we were saying we shouldn't have got them or we shouldn't have signed them. I know that I certainly wasn't. But what you can look at now is there's players that we have brought in that aren't good enough. And I'm I'm very critical. of I'm very guilty of making snap judgments on players. 
and understand like that people can say you need to give them time. But there's the money signings that we've made this year haven't worked. And that's been the biggest problem. The no-brainer signings, your R-fields, your, your McGregors and things have worked. The ones I'm talking about specifically are your likes of your Gresda, Barisic, um, even Katic to an extent. Pete Pete says that he thought that Katic being dropped when he was, was was a mistake. Possibly it was, but there's no doubt in my mind that Worrell is, is our best centre-half. He's, he's, he's better than Goldson and he's, he's, he's miles better than Katic. The first goal yesterday showed you how a sound Katic was with Goldson when one went forward and one dropped. So, it's, it's a difficult one. Some sign, some signings don't work out. It goes back to what I'm saying this summer. Alan and Gerard have to be completely in sync in the summer, and that means that not players that Alan wants, not players that Gerard wants. It needs to be working together. And the manager has to have the final say. It can't be a, a case of maybe getting players that he didn't necessarily want and things like that. And there's been stories of, of that happening. Um, and of course, it's easy when we're not winning because stories like that always seem to come about. But the manager needs to be in control and he needs to get the players that he gets and and wants. That, that's the point I'm trying to make. Mark Allen. Is, is there to assist Stephen Gerrard. He's, he's not there to be on the training ground and to be in the dressing room and things like that. And I think that's kind of things that are coming from their relationship. But it's it's new. It, it'll, it'll need to work for us. That's 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 the critical point. Stephen Gerrard, I'll, I'll, get, I'll get time at Rangers. He was never in, it was never a short-term fix. I believe that they're looking at, at, at three years as, as being before they'll even look at judging him barring a complete disaster. So this summer becomes absolutely crucial for him and it needs to work. And that means that Alan, he needs to produce and, and we need to get better. I'm sorry, but we need to get better than the likes of Barisic and the likes of Gresda because for me, they're never, ever going to be Rangers quality. I'm sorry, I've, I've looked at them and I've watched them and it may be harsh and people are probably saying that's an idiotic comment, that's fine. But in my opinion, these guys won't be here past the summer. And if we're spending money, a million, million and a half on guys like this in the summer, then we need to make sure they're spot on and they're correct. Stevie, can I just reply to that? I'm not. I'm certainly not against uh, Gerard. For I think he's doing a good. Well, results aren't great, but I think if you look at some of the football that we play when we are playing good, it's absolutely brilliant. It's breathtaking. So I'm. I'm certainly not against uh, Gerard, but I just. Uh, and and I also think the bad spell. You said the the bad spell might be a good thing. It's it, it might put Celtic into a false sense of security as well, and they'll and uh, Lyle will keep his his hand in his pocket. So it might be good that way. But uh, I'm certainly not against Gerard. That's no, it wasn't. It wasn't a suggestion. It wasn't a suggestion. You were you were against Gerard. You you had mentioned about Cat. It's just a difference of of opinion on that. Um, I think it's fair to say that, that every kind of level-headed person is still behind Stevie G and still sees where we want to go. But the problems, that's what I mean, getting back to what I said before, the problems we're having now and not breaking down teams and things like that, it's all the same repeated pattern. So if he doesn't address that in the summer, and I don't for one second believe that, that we won't, but if he doesn't address that, then that's where, for me, 
he's he's putting himself on the line, and and he, and we won't be able to defend him if that makes sense. Well, Kyle Duff, who's who's listening, has posted a comment here on YouTube, and he's agreeing uh, with with Pete in terms of Tav, and he's he's saying that Rangers are lacking a real leader on the park, like Gerard was at Liverpool. A player will take it upon themselves to try as hard as they can to win games and make something happen when it looks against us. It's hard to disagree with a comment like that, and I, I, I do think maybe Gerard is learning. You know, he's learning the job in terms of you know what he needs to do tactically and when to make subs and all the rest of it. But he's he's, he's probably also going through the, the the sort of process of learning who in that dressing room he can trust and who he does think is going to get him over the line on a tricky day. And see the the Europe thing. I mean, I loved it. I loved the whole getting back into Europe but at the end of the day it was a free hit for us there was no pressure on the players and that's why I think they've done so well you know because there was no real pressure on them and I think that's had something to do with how the, the the sort of performances and results they've always been patchy in the league but they've got worse as the seasons went on because the Celtic go that wee bit further ahead and the pressure gets put on us especially you know as tends to be the case is that these days we're playing at different times. So we're either playing the, the Sunday after they've already got the three points or yesterday we're having to get it knowing that they're playing today. You know, when that situation exists, that's when you find out what players can handle. You know, it's no playing against Rapid Vienna in a game that, you know, if you get into the knockout stages, that's a bonus and probably better than anyone expected. You know what I mean? So those those six games in the Europa League, I think they were a free hit. And the players were playing with a certain amount of freedom because there was no pressure on them. As the pressure has intensified domestically, semi-finals, quarter-finals, and in the league, I think that's when you see the lack of spirit in this, in, in this current Rangers team. And maybe Gerard's learning that. Maybe he's looking around that dressing room now thinking, well, actually, I thought I could trust you, but now I can't. I thought I could trust you, now I can't. And I need to get guys in to replace these guys. Uh, but a big thanks to Kyle for listening in tonight. Thanks, Kyle. Uh, guys, moving on again. I mean, I don't know. I don't want to dwell too much on being negative and all the rest of it. One more thing on the current situation, then we'll have a quick look at the, the Celtic game. The this summer, Stephen, you you sort of mentioned a wee bit there that you didn't think there would be a huge amount of movement this summer. Does do you think that's the case then? It'll just be maybe three or four coming in. That's, I meant huge as in last year when it was 15 in and 20 out, Colin. Um, it'll not be, you know, it'll not be 30 odd players in and out of the club this summer. But I can I can reasonably see us bringing in, you know, a, a side of the three that we, we think are, are done. Um, there's no obvious confirmation on, on that, but Aside of the, the ones we're talking about on Bosman's and things like that, um, I can see us bringing in four or five money signings for, for key positions um, with the budget you'll, you'll get um, aside of, of, of Morelos, um, possibly, or even Tab or, or things like that. Moving on, then he, he, will, he, he is going to get a, a, a kind of decent budget in, in terms of um, probably more than any manager has seen in recent years. Um, because we we have to make that investment to 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 bring them in, but it's going to be it goes back to what I was saying. We we built the squad. The squad is there. It'll get trimmed. Some players will leave. The squad bodies will, will kind of go. There'll be some players who bought in that will move on, um, because it hasn't worked. But 
in terms of my comment was that there won't be a, a huge turnover in terms of 35 40 but the turnover um, it won't it wouldn't be a surprise to me if we if we see us bring in in, in total around 10 players in terms of you know the the, the guys that we've already lined up um, and in terms of the ones that, that we are looking at and we will spend money on so I don't want it to, to be confusing in terms of thinking we're maybe going to get one or two in. I think it'll be a lot more than that. It just won't be it won't be a huge turnover of thirty five players. Pete, does you know Stephen had sort of indicated that, you know, it would be three years and barring a catastrophe, Stevie G would, would get those three years. If he doesn't win a trophy next season, do you think he'll get his third year? Well, yeah, <laughs> I think Rangers have put so much money into him that they've, they've really got to go with him because it would take a, a, a huge payoff to, to get rid of him and his, his team. So, but, I mean, I think it's he's had one season. He's a rookie manager and he, he definitely should get the time. I mean, if you look at one of the big names was Alec Ferguson. If Manchester United had sacked him the first, at least the first year, I don't know their history that good, but I know the first year maybe the first couple of years he had disasters it took him five years to win a title took, took him five years well there you go yeah. and no that's that's one of the things that uh it, it takes time you can't and we can't keep chopping managers i think stevie g he knows what he's talking about he's great with the press and that and i think he does get the best out of footballers because i i don't think some of the footballers if you look at andy halliday he's he's Brought the best out in Andy Halliday. I mean, Andy Halliday was shoved away to where was it as as Beiser Shan or whatever you call it. <laughs> <laughs> but there, there's one of my oh, names. There we go. We always get a pronunciation <laughs> in there. Um, <laughs> uh, Andy Halliday's come back and he's it, it, he's really done well and so he's even pushing Barisic for a for a place now in the team. Some even say that he should be in front of Barisic. But that's that's he's certainly improving players, and I think that's important. Right, guys. Okay. Well, I think we've sort of covered that. So, obviously, we've got the the international break coming up next week. I, I don't think we'll bother discussing a full base support in Scotland or not. Uh, Celtic game the week after that, the thirty first at Celtic Park. Yes, I know. In terms of have a feeling in terms of if we're positive. Pete, you feeling positive about it? Yes or no? Just yes or no? Yeah, I'm feeling, yes positive. I'm feeling positive, yeah. Yeah? Yeah. Stephen? Yes, we'll beat them and then we'll draw with Hearts during the week. <laughs> That's a very specific prediction. Sorry, but it's just it's exactly <laughs> what will happen. Um, we'll beat them. We'll, we'll cut the gap and everybody will be delighted and then um, Hearts will come and defend and we'll draw one each. So, sorry, it is, it is exactly what will happen. Okay, but well, we'll find out. We'll, we'll bring you back out in that. I uh, want to touch on uh, one last thing before we wrap it up for tonight. I'm conscious that we're, we're sort of approaching our mark here. I saw a thing on uh, social media the other day, supporters that I've got, that, you know, there's obviously only 800, 850 supporters uh, going to be there supporting Rangers on the day. Supporters that have received tickets for this have, have also received instructions that they need to be at the, the velodrome across from Celtic Park by 11 o'clock and they'll be ex escorted into the ground. 
if they miss that deadline, then they, they won't be granted access to the game until after kickoff. Now, I'm assuming this is all based on the the, the problems that you know Celtic experienced at the last game in, in September when quite a number of their supporters were involved in a crush and it, it looked quite scary at some points. Why, <laughs> Stephen? Why why are Rangers supporters having to be asked to do this? You know, it's only 800 fans. How difficult is it to get 800 fans into a game? And why do they have to be there like an hour and a half before kickoff? Well, we're being punished by the fact that their their stadium isn't isn't adequate and it isn't up to the the safety measurements that need to be in place. I don't recall 800 Celtic fans being forced to be in the ground at 11 o'clock on the 29th of December. Um but this all goes back to their first game um, this season. We went there and it was a shambles and there was crushing and all sorts at, at their ground. And it just isn't the way it's set up and the way it's, it's Rangers fans are made to, to walk and stuff like that. It's just a nightmare. But I'll tell you something else. If you're telling me right now that um, the boys are supposed to be there an hour early and you're going to tell the, the likes of my big pal, big Robert Fool, and then the boys at the Grapes Barn that, that they need to be there for 11 o'clock, you're in, for, you're in for a hiding to nothing. It's not going to happen. Um, and then they're going to turn around and say, these boys with tickets, they're not getting in. Nonsense. Whoever thought that up is just buttoned up the back. I'm sorry, that's just absolute nonsense. Pete, what's your view of this? Is it just a stushy over nothing? Well, I was going to say, can I not just rip a couple of bits of the tin out and make a door? <laughs> that's, that's, that's the way the park is built. It's just tin city, isn't it? They call it paradise. They call it paradise, but it's just a big bit of tin. But anyway, <laughs> what, what the <laughs> anyway, that's how we ran over. But um, no, I, I, I don't think you can ask people to turn up an hour before the game. I think I think that's just stupid. You've got to get away to get them in safely, because even if they do come an hour before the game, there's going to be people waiting for them, and it's, it's going to end up a a disaster anyway. So. The, the I think thing as well is if these boys turn up at eleven o'clock, and as we all know, they're, they're kept in after the game as well. So you're, you're possibly asking these people to. It's like a four-hour shift for a football game, you know. Without I mean, a drink, yeah, you know, you know, they've got to turn up like an hour before the kickoff. They're kept in an hour after the kickoff. It just seems a bit, yeah, I don't know. It just seems nonsense to me, but I suppose it is what it is. Yeah, and then they let them do the, a, a lappy honour, which means that the Celtic supporters are staying anyway, So, which, which is a, was a disaster as well. Yeah, well, you know, that's that's a usual thing when they get three points in at a lap of honour, or is it just against us? Or am I just being paranoid? Who knows? Who no, they've done, they done it today as well. Lenny, <laughs> Lenny ran the full length of the park to, to get to the Celtic supporters. Did they do the Ronnie Roar? <laughs> I don't know what they've done, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> anyway guys I think we'll call it quits there for the night uh, so that's all for this week's episode of the live Jersnet podcast thanks for listening in. loads of comments on YouTube tonight so thanks for that thanks for participating uh, big thanks to Stevie and Pete for their contributions tonight excellent stuff as always a big thanks to our audio engineer Graham don't have any information on the next show at the moment obviously it's the international break next week so not quite sure what we're going to do next week, but as soon as we know, we'll let you know. In the meantime, get on, get yourself onto the JERSnet website at 
cheersnet.co.uk. Loads of interviews, interviews, loads of articles there. Uh, there's the forums, lots of stuff. You'll enjoy it if you're a, a teddy bear. And uh, so that's us for, for, for this week. And until the next time, thanks for now.